baptism is a way that God has given us to relive the gospel, to relive and remember and celebrate what God has done for us and what Christ has done for us. And so today, we have set today aside as a day that we are going to focus in on this subject and this issue of baptism, and we're going to celebrate it. We're going to celebrate what it is, um, and and we're going to call people to respond. And so um, baptism is one of, uh, I think, the most important doctrines that we have uh, that it, as uh, Baptists, as Christians, one of the most important doctrines we have is baptism. But listen, it's also uh, one of the most misunderstood. I think there's times there are things associated with it or left out of it. And so it's also one of the most uh, misunderstood. But um, as believers, we essentially celebrate two what we call ordinances or sacraments, and that's the Lord's Supper and baptism. And so today we're going to dive into what this is and why it is a reason to celebrate. And so I want you to grab your Bible and let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, um, you guys are be familiar with this uh, part of, of Scripture. Jesus has resurrected. He's now ascended. His believers are gathered in the upper room and they are waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall. Remember, Jesus told them, you're going to go. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all over the world, but first, I want you to wait for the promised Holy Spirit from the Father. And so they're gathered in the upper room, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit falls, and the Holy Spirit fills them. And as the Holy Spirit fills them, he begins to speak through them. And so you would remember something supernatural happens in this moment. Right in this moment, these men begin to preach in languages they did not speak. Right? And I want you to remember, these are, for the most part, uneducated men, all from Galilee. And yet, here they are speaking in tongues and languages they did not know before. And those who were hearing them speak in their own language were saying, wait a minute, aren't these Galileans? How is it that they're speaking in my language? I'm not from here. Right? And, and what they were speaking, what they were hearing was the work of Christ and the glory of God. And there were those who were hearing, and they just went, wait a minute, these dudes are just drunk, they're, they're crazy. And Peter steps out and says, folks, this is not because they've had too much wine, this is the work of God. And Peter steps out in Acts chapter 2, and he essentially preaches his first sermon. And here's what his sermon is, Jesus Christ is Lord, the one that you crucified, God raised him from the dead and has made him the Lord of all. Now, that was the sermon he preached, and we're going to pick it up in verse 36. So kind of toward the end of Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 36. We're going to catch kind of the last sentence of Peter's sermon, and here's what he said. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And he said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What do we do with this? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Repent means to turn. Turn to Jesus and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you 
and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And let's dial into verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That day. They heard him. They heard this message. They had one question. What do we do? What do we do with Jesus? What do we do with this one that God has raised from the dead and set him as Lord in Christ? And Peter says, you are to repent. You are to turn from your sin, be saved, and be baptized. And we're going to, this morning, we're going to look at this beautiful ordinance of baptism that is given to us by God. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. I want to go ahead and challenge you. Really two layers uh, of being challenged this morning, and this is for all of us, every, including me. This is all of us in the room. Here's the first. I want you to be open to whatever it is the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart today. Okay? It's right now. It's easy to come into church and sit and go, yeah, this is what I do on Sunday. It's a different level of engagement to, to purposefully say, God, whatever you want to speak to my heart, I'm listening. Okay? That's the first challenge. Be open to whatever he wants to speak to your heart. Here's the second one. Be willing to obey whatever he calls you to do. Can we just have that with, with this agreement, this commitment to one another? We're going to be open to what the Lord wants to say, and we're going to be willing to obey whatever he calls you to do this morning. If he, if just open to hear his voice, obedient to whatever he says. Because listen, we're going to call to salvation. I believe that there is in this room people who need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Here's why I know that. In, in those baptisms that you saw and the hundreds of baptisms we've seen at New Beginnings this year between our two campuses, every one of those baptisms falls into one of three categories. Every one of them falls into one of three categories. Either it is someone who had never really heard of Christ, never really heard of a relationship with him, and they got saved and baptized. Or it was someone who thought they were saved, like my good friend Charlie Brown or Blake Gage. They've been in church forever. Those were deacons and life group leaders you just saw. And by the way, in the previous service, we saw a life group leader's wife come to faith and get, get saved and baptized this morning, right? So they were either, they had no idea who Christ was, they received, they got saved and baptized, or they thought they were saved, they thought they were believers, but they realized they had never made Jesus the Lord of their life, so they received him and were baptized. Or the third category would be people who have known they were believers, but they've just never taken the step of baptism. And I just wonder if even as I say those things, if you find yourself connecting with one of those Three categories. Um, because if, if you do, open to what the Spirit wants to speak. If you do, I want you to know today can be a powerfully important day in your life. For the, that you look back and go, God did something amazing in my life on January the 9th of 2022. And I'll never forget it. So as we kind of get our hearts moved toward this issue of baptism, I think it's important that we kind of start by setting what we know baptism is not. I said it's one of the most misunderstood doctrines that we have. And so 
I want to tell you on the front end, and it's important that we take hold of this, baptism, ready, is not salvation. Baptism is not salvation. It does not save you. There is nothing that, that is, saves you about that water. It, what we learn in the New Testament is that it is only by our faith put in the person of Christ that unites us to Christ and restores us to God, justifies us before God. That's it. It's faith in Christ and nothing else. Paul addressed this for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what he says. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by what? Say that word. By faith. You're justified by faith, meaning you are made right before God by faith. Because we have been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Incredibly important. Let's take hold of this. Salvation, redemption, being born again, being made new, being justified before God is by his grace alone, through our faith alone, put into the person of Christ alone. That's it. That's what saves. Right? Now, while baptism does not save us, it is the next step after we are saved. In other words, it is what saved people do. That's what baptism is, and it is incredibly important to the foundation of the Christian life. Why? Why is it so important? If it doesn't save, then why does it matter so much? And why do we put so much emphasis on it here at New Beginnings? And why should you this morning earnestly consider your need to be baptized? Why? There's three things I think that'll help us answer that question. Three truths I want us to kind of sit in and, and, and take hold of that I think will help us understand what baptism is and why it matters so much and why our hearts should be open to whether or not we need to take this step of obedience. Here's the first truth I want you to know. It's this. Baptism is a public declaration. If you're a note taker, write that down. Baptism is a public declaration. Look at verse 41 again of Acts 2 that, that we just read. It says, so those who received his word, those who were saved, were baptized, and there were added that very day about 3,000 souls. Right? The immediate call uh, in response to the gospel that Peter preached was a call to salvation. Right? It says they received the word. They, they received salvation. And the immediate response to salvation was baptism. That very day, it says 3,000 were saved and baptized. There was this immediate public declaration among those who were saved. Why is that important? Because when you look in the New Testament, when you look throughout the early church and all that God's Word teaches in the New Testament, we do not find believers getting saved and then waiting days, weeks, months, or years to be baptized. It's just not in God's Word. They were saved, they received the Word, and they went and found some water. That's what you see throughout Scripture. They were saved and they were baptized. There was not this season of going, well, I just don't know if I'm ready for that. And we hear that often here. I just don't know if I'm ready for baptism. I don't know if I'm ready to, to take that step. I want you to hear me this morning. This is where we all lean in. Ready? If you are saved, you are ready. 
If you are saved, you are ready. And this morning, if you're wondering, I don't know if I'm ready to be obedient, then I would challenge you. If you're willing to push away from obedience, it may be that you need to to double check, am I really saved? Because if you're saved, you're ready for baptism. Why? Because baptism is, it's publicly declaring my repentance from sin and that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So it is this public outward declaration of the inward transformation that I've experienced in Jesus. And for new believers, this moment uh, when they were transformed, the moment they were transformed, they publicly declared that through baptism, right? And it's what separated them. It's, It's kind of what began to set them apart. There were a lot of people in this time who talked a lot about Jesus, who felt like they knew a little bit about Jesus. But what began to separate them from those and kind of take it up was when they were willing to be baptized and and, and, and publicly declare that he was their Lord. It kind of separated those who were just uh, kicking the tires and those who were there to buy a car. You know what I mean? I know we've got some people who have sold cars before, and you you can almost pick them out when somebody comes on the lot and they're just there to kick the tires, right? The, The Baptism is what really began to separate them out. Think about it like this for a moment. Um, Would any one of you, I know there's some, many of us in the room are married, some of us aren't, some of you may get married one day. Would any one of you in this room be willing and be happy to be married to someone who wanted to keep their marriage to you a secret? Oh, oh, I'm married to you. I just don't want anybody to know about it, right? Any of y'all okay with that, ladies? Any of you got, uh, Carrie Darby ain't okay with that, I promise you. I promise you, she'll hurt me in my sleep if I start trying to act that way. Right? You're not going to be okay with that. (laughs) You're not okay with that. Think about the last wedding you went to or or, or think about your own wedding. You know, when when Carrie and I got married, there came this moment where we had these rings and we gave them to one another. and, And she took this ring right here about 22 and a half years ago, which is now not as round as it should because I hit it with a sledgehammer some years back, so it's kind of weird. But... About 22 and a half years ago, she took this ring in her hand and she put it on my finger and I put one on her finger and and we said, with this ring, I thee wed. Now, I want you to know something. This ring is not what makes me married to my wife, right? The covenant vows I made to her, to be faithful to her, to love her, to be for her and her only to always have her good in mind to protect her and cherish the covenant vows I made with her before God and before our family and friends that's what makes me married to her but it is putting on this ring that is the symbol of those covenant vows we made this ring is the symbol of my commitment to her and listen the same is true in our relationship with Jesus it is faith that unites us to Christ it is faith in him that covenantly binds us to him. We've put our faith in him, but baptism is putting on the ring. It's the public declaration that I belong to Jesus. That, that's what it is. It's a symbol of the covenant vows you have made with Christ. It's, it's putting on the ring so that baptism is essentially saying, Jesus, with this ring, with this baptism, I am in covenant relationship with you. So it is this public declaration that demonstrates our covenant vows with Jesus. Now listen, it's one thing 
to, to say in the privacy of our own heart, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That's easy to say when it's just you, but it is a, another thing entirely to, to walk out of those shadows and to stand before family and friends and to declare publicly that Jesus Christ is my forgiver. He is my Savior. He is my Master. That raises the ante. And I want you to hear me say this. Jesus commands all believers, all believers, to publicly declare to prove, if you will, and make that pledge that they have publicly declared they are in covenant relationship with Jesus. And listen, this is why we only baptize after someone comes to faith, right? We don't baptize before, they, before you come to faith. We baptize after you are saved. It's a reason that we don't practice uh, infant baptism at New Beginnings. Now, I know that's a, been a part of some people's spiritual a journey, and I would never discount that. I simply would tell you why we don't do it. We don't baptize babies because if baptism is the declaration of what Jesus has done in my heart, then how can I declare what hasn't happened yet? Right? Baptism doesn't save. A baby doesn't have the ability to know that they're sinners, that they're separated from God, that they need a Savior, or to see Jesus as the one who can save them. So we don't baptize. We baptize after salvation. Those who have come to that moment where they say, I am a sinner, I need a Savior, and as evidence of repenting of my sin and in covenant relationship with Jesus, being baptized. Now, I've used the word public several times. It's a public declaration. And you may be asking, why can't I just do this in private? Right? Why can't I do it with no one seeing, no one knowing. And my, my response to that would be, the issue in this declaration that you're making is not simply a declaration for you. It's a declaration to everyone. It's a declaration to the world that I belong to Jesus. Wearing this ring does not tell my wife I'm married to her. She already knows that. 22 years, wedded bliss. You know what I mean? She's got it good. This ring is not what tells her we're married. It's what tells you I'm married to her. Are you with me? This, de this declaration isn't for her. It's for the rest of the world. Baptism is, yes, your declaration, but it declares it to all of us what Christ has done. I think many of us have believed the lie that Christianity is somehow a private faith. Right? That it's just me and Jesus. And I want, I want you to hear me say this. Christianity is a personal faith, but it is not private. Christianity is, is it's not just you and Jesus. It is, it is what Jesus has done for you, ready, being lived out, spoken out, and declared out through you. That's what it is. And I just remember, this week, I've, I, the Holy Spirit, as I was praying, I just, in, in, in preparing, I just sensed him say, you know, Jesus lived in public. He lived a hard life in public for us, perfect. He, he died a humiliating death on my behalf in public for me. What he requires is that I would be baptized in public for him. So this is the public declaration of the covenant vows I have with the one I say I've put my faith in. So that's the first thing. It's a public declaration. Here's the second thing I want you to know. 
baptism is a point of identification. It's a point of identification. What do I mean there? I mean, when believers in, uh, were baptized in the New Testament, it was, it was an indication that they had abandoned their previous life and they were now identifying their new life as being united to Jesus and his people. Right? It was being united to Jesus and his people. For the apostles, um, to be united to Christ through baptism was to be united to the body of Christ, to the people of God. Baptism was a point of identifying yourself as belonging to the people who belong to Jesus. It's as much about declaring your personal commitment as it is identifying with the people of Christ. And for these early believers, that point of identification was often very difficult and very traumatic. Very difficult, very traumatic, because it meant walking away from generations of, of being a good Jewish family who had rejected Jesus or being a Roman family who believed in all the gods. Or, right? And they would often be put out of their family, out of their home, out of their community. Consider for a moment what it cost a Muslim to walk away from that faith and become a Christian. Consider for a moment what it cost them. If you're not sure, it cost them everything. They are put out of their family. Um, they are kicked out of their spiritual community. And if they're not thrown in a prison and forgotten, they may very well be put to death. Why would somebody be willing to give up everything? to publicly declare that I belong and I identify with the people of Jesus Christ because it's their way of saying, I may lose everything, but in Christ I have found everything. It is a point of identification. It is a powerful point of identity. So, baptism being a point of identity is why it is a prerequisite for covenant membership at New Beginnings. It's why you can't be a covenant member of New Beginnings without being baptized after your salvation. And, and I think we see this in God's Word. We see Paul in Galatians really unpacking um, this idea of us being unified in this identity. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Paul says this, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. So he is talking to the church, right? He wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, and he is talking to them collectively. You are all sons of God in Christ through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, meaning you've put on the identity of Jesus. And there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? He's saying your identity has changed. Your identity has changed. There, the, through baptism, you no longer find your identity in who you were. You are no longer identified as being a Jew, as being a Greek, as being a Roman, or as being a Muslim, or in our case, as being an atheist or an agnostic. You no longer identify that. You have found Christ, and you are now identified with the people of God. And I want you to hear me say this. To push away from baptism, to refuse baptism, 
is to refuse the common identity that we share in Jesus. To refuse baptism is to say, I actually am pushing away from identifying with the people of God and the work of God in my life. This is why it matters so much. When I was in uh, high school, I have told you guys often, on my best day, I was a mediocre athlete, uh, but I did get to play football for a little while, and we used to have pep rallies on Friday afternoons, and, you know, back where I was, pep rallies were a big deal. Man, they were, you know, they filled the gym, the band was in there. Man, it, we were, that place was hopping on pep rallies, and so I remember the coach had told us, hey, I want you guys to wear your street clothes, but I want you to wear your football jersey over your street clothes to the pep rally. Do they still do that? Wear your jersey over your street clothes? That's, that's what we had to do. And so um, teams probably got 30, 35, 40 guys on it. Every single one of them listened to the instructions, wear your jersey over your street clothes for the pep rally, except for 16-year-old Matt. He didn't listen. And so... Um, I am the, only, I'm the, I was the only one. Here we are. We're getting ready to walk into the gym. I hear the band playing. I hear the fight song. Stands filled with people. We're walking into the gym, and there are all these white jerseys on and one black white snake T-shirt sticking out above all of them. You know what I mean? And I'm walking in, and I'm like, I am such a doofus, you know? And I sit down in this sea of white jerseys. Now, I could have told that entire gym, no, listen, I belong to this team. I really do. I play with this team. I practice with this team. Man, I go to battle on Friday nights with this team. I work out with them. I sweat it out and bleed it out, and, and we win together and we lose together. I am a part of this team, but hear me, I was missing a key point of identity. Baptism is putting on the jersey. It's putting on the uniform. It is saying, I belong to Jesus, and I belong to the people of Jesus, and the people of Jesus belong to me. It is a key point of identity. So it's a public declaration. It's a point of identification. Here's the third thing. Baptism is a powerful demonstration. It's a powerful demonstration. One of the reasons I get emotional when people get baptized and have been emotional all morning watching that video and in the 930 service watching people come to faith and be baptized is because nothing paints the gospel picture quite like baptism. Nothing paints it quite like baptism. It is a powerful demonstration. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Paul is, Paul is helping us understand what it is that baptism is demonstrating in our life. Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. The, the imagery, the, the illustration of baptism, the, the picture that baptism paints is essentially one of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? In, in baptism, we physically and powerfully demonstrate what happened to us spiritually when we received Christ. 
In receiving Christ, we are made new, right? A, a new life begins. Paul uses the phrase, you begin to walk in the newness of life. In 2 Corinthians, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. The old is gone and the, and the new has come, which is to say we die to the old way of living. And as Jesus died and was buried and is resurrected, we too have died to our old selves and the old life is buried in the grave and we are raised to walk in a new life. It is a powerful demonstration that says the old man is gone, the new man has come, I consider myself, I reckon myself now dead to sin and alive to Jesus. It's a powerful demonstration of what he has done in our heart and it is incredibly important. You know, one of We've said before, one of the things that we say to people when they're about to get baptized is you are really the sermon today. Pastor Matt's out there bumping his gums and yelling and stomping, but you are the sermon today. Why? Because they're about to go out and sit in that water and powerfully demonstrate the gospel. That I have died to my sin and been raised to walk in a new life in Christ Jesus. It's a powerful demonstration, right? So let's ask and answer a very simple question. Why should I be baptized? Why should I do this? Right? And the answer's got to be more than, well, this is just what our church does, so I did it, or I finally got sick of hearing Pastor Matt talk about it, and I finally just did it, so he shut up. It's got to be more than that, right? This is, I, I, I don't think we have to look any further than the example of Jesus and the words of Jesus. There are three things I want to point out to you just very quickly, and I want you to grab these and understand them. I've, I've said these before. Jesus gives us the example. Jesus gives us the teaching. Here's what I want you to see. The first is this. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He was baptized. If you look at Matthew chapter 3, Verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. Why? To be baptized by him. Can you imagine that? Imagine how John felt. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to, to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What did he mean by that? Jesus said, In order for me to fulfill all all the righteous requirements that God requires of his people, I need to be baptized. In, other, in order for me to demonstrate what, what a righteous life fully submitted to God looks like, I need to be baptized. He said, this is to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus was baptized. Not only was he baptized, but we hear the heart of the Heavenly Father toward him through his baptism, saying, This is my Son, and I am well pleased in him in doing this. Old school preacher named J.C. Riley said this, we ought to regard the sacrament of baptism with reverence. An ordinance of which the Lord himself partook is not to be lightly esteemed. 
an ordinance to which the head of the church, that's Jesus, submitted, ought to be ever honorable in the eyes of professing Christians. Jesus did this. Here's the second thing. Jesus demands that we do it. He demands it. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it's the Great Commission. Jesus says this, and, and Jesus came and said to them in verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Baptism is all the things that we've talked about this morning. It's a public declaration. It's a point of identification. It's a powerful demonstration. But also, quite simply, baptism is an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. This is something Jesus demanded for every believer. Every believer. Jesus has demanded that we do this. And you say, well, hold on. I don't have to be baptized to be saved. That's right. But you do have to be baptized to be obedient. And hear me say again, if you're willing to push away from obedience, I would ask you, have you truly been transformed? Because if Jesus is Lord, there is a desire for obedience. If Jesus is Lord and he says, be baptized, then I need to step in and be baptized. But if I'm willing to push away from that command, has he truly captured my heart? Jesus did it. He demands it. He demands it. Here's a third one. Jesus deserves it. He deserves it. What do I mean by that? Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying those who are willing to step up and publicly declare that they belong to me and I belong to them and identify with my people and demonstrate what I have done in their life, those who are willing to confess me before men that way, those are the ones who have truly been captured, been born again. And I can now uh, uh, hold them up before my Father who is in heaven. But those who, have who will deny me publicly, who will say, who just push away from this, it isn't because baptism saves, but obedience is, excuse me, but baptism is an evidence of obedience to the Lordship of Christ. There is no one, there is no thing, there is no place, there is no person that warrants my allegiance and my commitment more than Jesus. Do you believe that? He has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. He has brought us out of the darkness of sin into the glorious light of God's grace. He has brought us out of death eternal and restored us back to God. And my question is, hasn't he done more than enough for you that you would acknowledge him before men? Gosh, Matt, that's very heavy this morning. You are swinging a hammer at us. 
it matters. Baptism matters. And I know there are some of you in the room this morning who you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life and you need to do that. And some of you have not been baptized and you need to do that. And I want to remind you, don't make baptism something it isn't. It does not save. But do not miss what God intends for it to be in your life. This is not an optional command. Jesus doesn't give us the option here. It's not a trivial issue. If it was important enough for Jesus to do and command us to do, it is important enough for us to follow and to obey. So here's the first question. Have you truly made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you been born again? Have you been saved? When I ask that question, I'm challenging you. Don't go back to some words you said when you were a kid. Go back to a moment when you met Jesus and he actually changed your life. Because when Jesus enters a space, that space changes. That heart changes. Ezekiel said when God comes in this way, he gives you a new heart, takes out the heart of stone, gives you a heart of flesh. Paul says when you are born again, saved, you become a new person. Is there a moment when you have been made new? You go, man, I'm just not sure yet. Let me help you think about it this way. If you look at your life, would you describe your life as being seasons, excuse me, as being characterized by obedience to God, interrupted by a few seasons of rebellion? Or would you have to describe your life as being mostly characterized as doing whatever I want? with seasons every now and then of trying to do what I think God wants me to do. What characterizes your life? Is it a life submitted to the Lord? Or is it a life pursuing for self? Because where Jesus enters, Jesus changes. And listen, some of you are in this room this, this morning and you actually do have a desire to love God more and to know him more and to actually be deeply connected to him. But I want you to hear me say this. You can't love God until you have experienced the love of God. Until you have received the love of him, you can't love him the way you were created to. Does that make sense? Have you been born again? Has Jesus changed your life? I'm going to ask you to bow with me. your head bowed and eyes closed remember we committed to one another we were going to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to say and we were going to do whatever he called us to do so this morning if you're not sure you have ever made Jesus the Lord of your life and you are tired of living in the unknown and you want that certainty of belonging to him you want to actually begin walking in a new life because you're tired of the old one. If that's you and you need to make Jesus Lord, I just want you right now, just in the quietness of your heart between you and the Lord, pray something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm walking in a life that does not please you. And I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven of my sin be born again would you save me would you come and be my Lord and my Savior and let me today begin walking in a new life 
this morning, you just prayed that prayer with me. All the heads are bowed, all the eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer with me, you just prayed and made Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to challenge you. Be courageous. Right where you are, would you just stand up and look at me? Just right where you are, stand up and look at me. Today, I'm finally going to walk in the new life. I'm tired of the old one, and I want to walk in the new one. If that's you, would you just stand up and look at me for a moment? of us in the room is God calling you to be baptized (laughs) have you declared it what he's done have you identified yourself with the people of God have you demonstrated what Jesus has done in your heart have you been baptized after your salvation you go man I, I said some words and got wet when I was a kid but I really got saved when I was in college or I got saved a few years ago or I've been saved That's when Jesus changed my life. If that's you, you need to be baptized today. So if you have never been baptized after your salvation, I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing very courageously right where you are. If you know you need to be baptized today, right where you are, I've got everything you need. You'll leave in the same clothes you came in. We have every single thing you need. If you need to be baptized right where you are, would you just stand up and look at me for a moment? Just stand up and look at me for just a second. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you guys to come forward. Y'all just come right down here for just a minute. That is so encouraging. So encouraging. I'm so proud of you guys. So proud of you guys. Church, would you just help me celebrate what God is doing this morning? Man, I'm so excited. Here's what that is. That's someone who's just saying, Jesus is my Lord. I've just never been obedient to that, and I'm going to do that today. I'm not going to push away from this obedience anymore. I'm going to step into it.